Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Jen Gerson, the hardest working woman in showbiz, recording live to tape in Calgary in her new home, host of Oppo. Welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. Today, Jen, we are going to discuss a veritable concerto of diversity dog whistling from Maxime Bernier, Andrew Scheer, and Justin Trudeau. I'm, I'm actually not so sure about that last one. And Jesse Brown excuses, justifies, and even incites violence against journalists. That's what people say. Well, you know what? I'm appalling, so welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> Things are getting dumb, Jen. Welcome back to Shortcuts. Happy to be here. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Will Whitaker, Gordon McDowell, Mark Christensen, Cynthia Hicken, Ryan Ongaro, Sarah Griffiths, Amy Donovan, and Margot Mullen. Hi, my name is Margot. I work for a nonprofit here in Toronto, and I support Canada Land because in an age of people clapping over reporters, I think it's time that we support our local media. And Jen, this episode is brought to you by Garlic Lime Chicken, a bit basic but tasty, and Sicilian Faro Caponata. Do you like a good caponata? Uh, I do, but that sounds way too fancy for me. I'm in Calgary. I mean, I would order that in a second, but it's not the kind of thing that I think I would cook if not for HelloFresh sending it to my home in a box. Faro, 
you're familiar in Calgary with farro. Do you know that grain? Has it reached Calgary yet? No, I think I think we pretty much just stick to basic meat dipped in cattle blood. Alberta beef dipped in cattle blood would be would be nice on a bed of of delicious farro grain. You'll be in three years. It'll 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 trickle down to Calgary, and you'll be eating farro. I love caponata, eggplant, roasted red peppers, buck and cheese. It's just not the kind of thing that I would be preparing for my family on an off night, if it was, if not for the fact that it's sent in a very convenient insulated box in proper proportions, locally sourced and fresh ingredients to my home, thanks to HelloFresh. This is a nice way, people, to cook for your family and to eat more healthy than you might otherwise, and it's a nice way to eat seasonally, and it's a nice way to eat without throwing out a lot of ingredient that you bought and didn't use in the recipe. It's just very nice, and if it sounds nice, if it's ever sounded nice and you thought about trying it out, uh, we make that easy because you are a Canada Land listener, you get 50% off of your first box. Visit hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. Well, in a Sunday night tweet storm that ignited controversy across the country on two hot-button issues, diversity and immigration, Maxime Bernier weighed in. He's a high-profile conservative, and he's often controversial. He tweeted, Trudeau keeps pushing his diversity is our strength slogan and that this diversity is part of us and should be celebrated. But he asked, where do we draw the line? He then went on to claim that diversity could lead to distrust, social conflict, and potentially violence, saying more diversity will not be our strength. It will destroy what has made us such a great country. Also significant is the timing. Bernier chose to send his messages on the first anniversary of the riots in Charlottesville, Virginia, a milestone for people who believe whites are under some kind of cultural attack. Yeah, so Jen, the first clip we heard there was a summary of Maxime Bernier's tweets from Global TV. And the second thing we heard was from CBC's The National, which pointed out the timing of Bernier's tweets that that uh, they felt was significant, that he chose to release his tweet storm against the extremist diversity on the anniversary of the Charlottesville uh, riots and murder, uh, and that uh, the suggestion is that he did so intentionally, t- knowing that the people who were receptive to his anti-diversity message uh, would probably be marking the date. Now, that led to Bernier, who has not been granting interviews about any of this stuff. He took to Twitter to blast CBC, and he tweeted, just saw this report which implies a quote-unquote timing between my tweets last Sunday and some violent some violent demonstration in the U.S., how do you know that I chose to send my messages on the first anniversary of the riots in Charlottesville? This is despicable, CBC National. Hashtag fake news. And uh, Rosie Barton of the National shot back to say, how do we know you didn't time your tweets to concede with that anniversary, given that you won't give any interviews to anyone about anything that you tweet? And uh, he then responded uh, that he was not even aware of that event in the U.S. What do you think, Jen? Well, I'm not sure where to start on this one. I'm not sure whether or not we should start by talking about Bernier and what he's actually doing, or if we should really get into the weeds of this particular Twitter fight. I I don't know either. Should we give some context on Bernier the sucky baby? I know Bernier as the darling of Reddit, the libertarian candidate, but he really did come close. And there was an opportunity, you know, a lot of people, either because they just dig his supply and management take or they just like libertarianism or, uh, you know, as he kind of folds that all into the larger alt-right message of of anti-diversity, anti-immigration, he's got a lot of uh, Reddit neckbeard support. I remember him from uh, spreading red pill, take the red pill 
and and vote for uh, Maxime Bernier in, the, in his conservative leadership run. Which he then, and which then, he then denied that he understood, essentially. Which I, similarly, which, similar kind thing. Kind of similarly, of, of, yeah. Uh, he, he did this red pill meme and then claimed he was just referencing the Matrix and that it wasn't a reference to um, red pilling, which is now the common sort of slang for being a supporter or follower of uh, men's rights activism. And I think, I think red pilling actually now... Um, the term's actually expanded to someone who's fallen down the alt-right rabbit hole more generally. But he claimed that he was unaware of that context. He claimed that he was just making a Matrix reference. He didn't know. He's Maxime Bernier. He doesn't know that that's what it means, that we all kind of know that. But he didn't know that. I mean, it's sort of his business to know that, and that's where a lot of his support comes from, and I kind of feel like he probably did know yeah, that. Yeah, I'm inclined to think that he's bullshitting, that he knows exactly what that, that term means. The further context, Jen, is that, you know, he actually came quite close to beating Andrew Scheer, and I think that he actually might have even won or could have said that he won. But why I'm kind of raising an eyebrow at his baby whining now is that there was an opportunity for him to contest the results of that election race. And and there was enough ambiguity about some of the voting and irregularities. And instead, he decided to play nice party boy and, you know, put party ahead of himself and say, "Okay, Andrew Scheer, we'll say that you won. And so why now he's driving this wedge uh, and putting Scheer in the position of, uh, you know, is he going to lose the... uh, racist idiot vote within the conservative party maybe that's a question for you and justin ling to take on in the upcoming season of oppo i think that that is sort of why these tweets came out of out of left field and like well i don't i wait i don't don't think that the tweets did come out of left field i actually think that the tweets were the culmination of a couple of weeks of questioning justin trudeau's decision around asylum seekers um raising concerns about resources given to asylum seekers that was starting to take a pretty dark turn toward anti-illegal, quote-unquote, illegal immigration, and, you know, is now sort of in the realm of anti-immigration. I think what he's actually doing is, it's very clear to me that he is uh, really tied into right, far-right, and even alt-right thinking and uh, discourse as it's playing out online. And um, the types of ideas uh, about sort of being concerned about multiculturalism or, or being against diversity, these sorts of ideas are global in scope. And you're seeing politicians and far right people um, adopt these sorts of global memes, so to speak, or global, global concepts, even if they don't necessarily apply very well to the specific countries that they're in. Every piece of social science I've seen in Canada demonstrates that actually immigrants uh, integrate into Canadian society very well. <laughs> you know, like, we actually well, that's have, the debate well, that we're not having, right? No, and, that, and that's I'll, the debate I'll, we're not having. No, and I I'll really take your word for it, Jen. I'll take your word for it that there was actually some substantive conversation in conservative circles prior to this about the monies that were being spent and whether that's the right. And that'd be a great debate to have because, as you've pointed out before, like we're actually not even like, carrying our weight in this global migration crisis. No, not closely. Right? Not, not, crisis. Remotely. And not remotely. So the idea that we're some sort of haven. Um, but that's not what Bernier tweeted. And um, um, you know, I think you're absolutely right that this is piggybacking on a global alt-right trend to to challenge ideas about diversity. And I want to kind of give like, like actually look at a couple of things he tweeted and I'll read these. We have no idea like what, how he would read them himself because he's not giving interviews. So I'm going to play it down the middle and try to give as neutral a read as I can here uh, from his tweets. Why should we promote ever more diversity? Having people live among us who reject basic Western values such as freedom, equality, tolerance, and openness doesn't make us strong. People who refuse to integrate into our society and want to live apart in their ghetto don't make our society strong. More diversity will not be our strength. 
It will destroy what has made us such a great country. I think that's how he would read it if he was giving interviews. Yeah, totally. Completely fair yeah. um, and ethical. And I, 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 I understand where that language is coming from because it's very familiar if you actually spend time sort of lurking in the Reddit alt-right space. Like, you, you can recognize these arguments very quickly. They're, they're not new. They're not original to Maxine Bernier. As Michelle Rempel pointed out, what are you basing that on? What are you talking about? Where are these people who yeah. uh, are refusing to learn a language or who just are dwelling in their ghettos and, and are a threat to destroy our society? He invokes violence. It's just nonsense. It's just... But this idea also that uh, diverse people are people, I mean, people of color is the coded term there, right? That people of color who come to Canada don't accept Canadian values, don't integrate into Canadian values. Again, A, we actually have lots of evidence to say that's just actually not true. And B, you're right, it's just, it's, it's not based in any actual issues that we're having in Canada on the whole, I'm not saying there aren't, you know, individual cases that you could probably point to, but it's not, it's not really an issue that Canada Let's not has. even do him the, he, he's not even bringing not, up those legit, like, like, like to have a, a conversation where facts are welcome. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, like, I, I was listening yeah. to The Current this morning. We're recording this on Wednesday. People are hearing it on Thursday. And, you know, they let Maxime Bernier set the agenda. Like, today on, on The Current, diverse opinions about diversity. And so here's Maxime Bernier throwing out this garbage, refusing to actually back it up or talk about it, and then the national broadcaster, the public broadcaster says, okay, let's let's hear some diverse opinions about diversity, none of which were actually about the statistical play out of like, how does it work when we bring in immigrants? Has it been a problem? Does it help our economy or hurt it? Is it costing it? None of that was discussed. So letting Bernier set the agenda like that is, you know, I, I, this, this kind of question that I keep hearing like, stop calling me a racist. Uh, is it racist to want to have a debate about immigration? He does not want to have a debate about immigration. Yeah, but he, exactly. And that's where we have to stop playing into this agenda by pretending that, that, that he's having a debate in good faith, because that's not what's happening. He's playing to a specific anti-immigration alt-right base, and he's doing it in order to increase his profile for his own end. Politically speaking, he's put himself in a win-win scenario where he can either sit in the conservative caucus and play to this uh, xenophobic, anti-immigrant base within the Conservative Party and have a platform to do it. Or if he gets kicked out of caucus, he then uses that to bolster his anti-PC, anti-multicultural credentials. And he can parlay that into a, into a role as a kind of a global media personality on these files. Like, that's what he's doing here. And it's working. Here's my favorite part, by the way. Uh, he tweets, I hereby officially declare the death of political correctness yeah. in Canada. Je declare officiellement la mort de la rectitude politique au Canada. I apologize profusely for that. Um, but I can't think of anything more politically correct in Canada than to <laughs> tweet the, the death of political correctness um, in both languages. But Andrew Scheer took the bait. Let's listen to this. I believe freedom of speech is coming under attack because sometimes it is inconvenient to certain people, you know, certain people who have a political agenda don't even want there to be a debate about certain things. Sometimes things are said that um, others disagree with, and sometimes it is maybe uh, offensive or hurts other people's feelings, but that doesn't mean that we can justify uh, that uh, to, to, to curtail or limit or infringe upon such a fundamental freedom. He makes some good points there, Jen. Yeah, no, no. If you want to have a, a conversation about diversity or social inc social cohesion or Canadian values or any of those sorts of things, let's go. But sheer, and I think we have to decode what people just heard. Like, what the hell was that? And it's, it's uh, you know, 
chubby cheeks and dimples and uh, and 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 jeans and doop boop doop nice music. It's not the angry Maxime Bernier tone. And uh, but what what did, what did he say? What what did he? He's 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 trying to neutralize the message. He's trying to he's trying to play both sides here. He's trying to say to that base. He's saying. Uh, look, we're going to be an inclusive party that is willing to talk about this, but he's phrasing it in language that is neutral and benign so that the centrists don't flee this party with their hair on fire. That's right. So it's it's a softened message, but what's in there in this vague, like bizarre language, certain people sometimes feel some ideas, uh, feelings, sometimes something. And then at the end of this of this video, he kind of gets to the point where he makes a reference to what what is the, Lin- the Lindsay Shepard thing, that uh, if a teaching assistant wants to play a video to show both sides of the story, that's freedom of speech. And what's he going to do as government? He is going to prioritize funding to universities that prioritize free speech and don't come down hard on that sort of representation of both sides. So this is a plea to the Lindsay Shepard supporting right-thinking conservatives out there. To the people at the alt-right side of the party, there's a place here for you too. I don't need to lose you to Maxine Bernier. Don't worry, I care about you too. So uh, this is very clearly a, a response to Bernier trying to drive a wedge in conservatism. And I think that like what is becoming clear is this is kind of laying the groundwork for the next election. This is going to be a culture war election. We're going to fight stupid. This is We're going to have the, the, the dumb fight because... None of this is based on facts. None of this is based on a subset of conversation about any of these issues. And I think that that played out in what happened with Trudeau as well. I think that that's unfortunately very right. I, I don't know. It's that and NAFTA. I, you know, I don't I don't see what other ideas there are to have the next fight about. So that that's where I think this is going to go. I mean, and I think that as I, when I was speaking earlier about this slow rollout of uh, asylum seekers, resources, immigration, anti-immigration, there's that you almost got the sense that, uh, and I don't know if this is conscious or not, but there was a pushing of the boundary. How far are Canadians willing to go on this particular front before they start pushing back? But if conservatives are willing to keep on pushing that line, they're going to lose the center and they're going to lose. I, I honestly believe that this is a losing gambit for them. Well, that's the common wisdom after the last election and after Kelly Leach. Um, I'm not so sure. Like, I feel like we are tissue thin. Like, this, we've now settled on this consensus that, like, we like our conservatives moderate. We like them to not get into racism. And we like a muzzle on the crazies. And when Harper messed with that and had the barbaric cultural practices hotline, he got trounced. When Kelly Leach tried to shop that shit around, she got trounced. I feel like Kelly Leach didn't sell it very convincingly, even to people who like that message. And I feel like Bernie kind of could. You kind of dismiss him as sort of uh, also ran nobody. I feel like this was all happening, you know, before Trump was when Harper uh, trotted that stuff out. Bernie could do it. There's a backlash afoot. I, I guess I'm just more optimistic. I think that if this is the game that the conservatives are going to play, they're going to lose. For a lot of different demographic reasons and a lot of different just sort of cultural and political reasons, I don't think Canada is the U.S. I don't think that we have a tolerance for uh, just straight up xenophobic commentary from mainstream political leaders in the same way that the U.S. does. I just don't think we have the same mass of people who, who, who will go in for that. Um, I think we're one terrorist attack away from embracing that shit fully. And I think I think that figuring well, out before that happens who we actually are is kind of imperative. I'm more hopeful that we're better than that, but you could be right. But I mean, there isn't any way to predict that. We just got we just got to see how this plays out. Madame, cette intolérance par rapport aux immigrants, ça n'a pas sa place au Canada. Cette intolérance par rapport à la diversité, vous n'avez pas votre place ici, Madame. 
Jen, do you do you think that Trudeau was uh, dog whistling in calling that Storm Alliance woman a racist? I don't know because I don't speak French well enough to understand the nuances of that whole conversation back and forth. To be per- just to be perfectly honest with you, my sense is that he just sort of reacted and shut down this heckler because he did feel that she was being racist. And of course, subsequent reporting has come out showing that she she is just genuinely a racist. Oh so, yeah, she's, uh, she's re- yeah, refused to have a Muslim woman uh, uh, as her dental hygienist. She didn't want to be touched by a Muslim woman. She's uh, she's a member of the Storm Alliance. Okay, if you're trying to disambiguate your organization from Nazism, like putting the word Storm, like referencing yeah, that, the SS or Storm, that's not or, that's not the or best using that like it. Germanic kiss font is probably not the best way to go about yeah. it. So no, she is a racist whether Trudeau knew it or not. But you know when people say oh, he didn't know that. And I, and I actually look at the wording of the exchange where she was saying like, when are you going to pay me back for your illegal immigrants? And, and he's she's like, also using the French term for old stock, which has a very specific cultural meaning that I, I'm not an expert to, to talk about, you know? I'm I'm totally okay with what Trudeau said. I mean, just, even just based on her words alone, I'm cool with saying like, you know, you're, you're, you're coming in here and heckling at, at a Liberal Party event. Like the idea that like, hey, you're her prime minister. You have to answer her questions in good faith. They were not asked in good faith. That is not owed. And uh, it's certainly not a dog whistle because dog whistle implies a, a covert message. This was, he explicitly, he went above her covert message and said, lady, you're a racist. Yeah. He may have been virtue signaling, but he might have actually been virtuous in that moment. So that's okay. Yeah. I, I, it's not something that I think I'm going to really be losing sleep over or, or going to the uh, the ramparts about. But um, that kind of brings us back to the second part of the conversation that we were going to start this whole podcast with. And that is the, the specific Twitter fight between Rosie Barton and Maxine Bernier, which I think is a slightly separate conversation from Bernier's political and media strategy. All right, we touched on that earlier. and I think what we're talking about here is Rosie Barton saying, hey, uh, you're not giving interviews about this. It, it did come out the, the, on the anniversary of Charlottesville. And he's saying, you're not a journalist, lady. This is fake news. Me not coming on your show doesn't give you permission to just make shit up about me. That's his position, uh, if I could try to paraphrase it. What do you think, Jen? With the caveat that the last thing I want to do is defend a shitbird on this one, here's the thing that I would say is that, uh, A, as a Canadian, was I aware that this was the anniversary of Charlottesville? No, it was not forefront of mind to me or I think to most people in Canada. I mean, the only thing that really tipped me off about it was the fact that I you know, listened to the Daily, I think the day after, and it was about Charlottesville. So do I think that the, the timing of Bernier's anti-immigration tweets, given that there, there had been a, a buildup on this issue for you know, weeks, um, do I think the timing of his tweets had anything to do with Charlottesville? Probably not. I think that was a bit of a stretch. Um, I, I don't see any real evidence of that within the tweets themselves. And the timing of them didn't really seem to come out of left field for me. More importantly, I think the CBC didn't have any evidence that Bernier's timing was intentional. They, they had really no nothing to base that on. It could very well have just been a coincidence. Um, so as a result, oh please, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, oh, I'm not done. I'm gonna, what, what proof do you have, Jesse? What proof do you have that he was timing that intentionally? Please, please tell me what your evidence was. So the Daily knew because they had to make that show in advance because they're in the business of knowing yeah, things like that. But the Daily is the New York. It was the New York Times. Like, right. It's, it's a totally different audience. So, d- no, you're, like, Jen, I'm you're sure, absolutely I'm sure, right. I, I you're absolutely right. I don't. Probably a so, big thing. So, so you're absolutely right. There's no proof that he, there's no proof that he knew that red pills. No, so you can't just make shit up. They with no proof. This is what I want to say here. Okay. No, but the implication was pretty clear. The implication of what of what they were implying that he did. Like you can't just imply that this guy was sending out. Uh, anti-multiculturalism tweets 
on the anniversary of Charlottesville, it implies that he's a neo-Nazi or that he's giving Nazis. Well, no, he did, as a point of fact, put out his anti-diversity tweets on the anniversary of Charlottesville. The question yes, is, yes, exactly. But you, but 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 to make that a feature in the way that they made it a feature makes it sound like he was purposefully engaging in sort of neo-Nazi rhetoric. So, like, I'm saying, like, you and I can debate the point about whether or not the CBC was out of line there or not. I think there is actually a debate to be had. Um, I don't think it's as clear cut as the CBC was right or Maxine Bernier was wrong or whatever. But I do think that there is a fair complaint that can be leveled against the CBC on that one. But then at the same time, you know, nobody is obliged to talk to us. And the fact that someone doesn't talk to us doesn't give us license to just make shit up. They didn't just make shit up. Or or to imply that they are... Uh, engaged in a type of rhetoric that we have no evidence that they are engaged in. I, I think that there's some caution that is warranted there. And and to say, to, to respond to a complaint like that by saying, well, we would have got it right if you had come on our show. That's the wrong defense. I think that you're the one now who's jumping to conclusions about their defense. Now, here's the larger question for us in, in oh, situations like this. Oh, the defense like was this. entirely explicit. It was right on Twitter. I mean, Rosie put it on Twitter very clearly. Now, here's what I want to say about now, it. Let's, okay? let's read the tweet. Let's read the tweet, Jesse. Let's bring it up. Let's read it. Let's read the tweet. How do we know you didn't time to coincide with that anniversary, given you won't give any interviews to anyone about anything you tweet? How about you answer some questions and defend your position in front of people? Then we can talk about what is fake. Thanks for watching. Hashtag real news. Look, the implication there is pretty clear. And, and, oh, the and, implication. And, the implication, I yes, see. Yes, but the implication of the original story. If you are tweeting to the alt-right, uh, uh, your, your anti-diversity screed about how diversity is going to destroy Canada... I think it is a fair thing to note. Uh, I think that you would know and your people would tell you and you would be aware that it is the anniversary of Charlottesville. And I think that the fact that there's a pattern of this, the question to us, Jen, is if you've got an actor like Maxime Bernier, arguably a bad actor, who is uh, deciding like, you know what, we used to have to go through the press to get a message out. But the press doesn't really have as much influence anymore. And they're actually more useful as a punching bag and as a boogeyman. And I have Twitter. And there's this global anti-immigrant vibe that I can get on. I, I can play with their memes. I can dog whistle. I could explicitly use red pill and put stuff out on the anniversary of Charlottesville. And then I can say, who, me? And refuse every interview request. And then if anyone makes that connection and connects those dots, uh, I can argue that they are uh, not real journalists, hashtag fake news. And we're supposed to just take that and let ourselves be gamed. Things are going to get dumber and dumber. We don't have to act dumb. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. 
And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Jen, have you something to note for us, Dooley? Yes, Jerry Knott has left Post Media. Who is Jerry Knott, Jen? Jerry Knott is the senior vice president content of the National Post. A long and storied career he was. Long and storied career with uh, Post Media. Um, I think at some point he was the uh, editor-in-chief of the Ottawa Citizen um, and has served in several senior roles within Post Media over the last couple of years as they've continued to decline and sheer people and content and physical papers and such. And as a former postie yourself, what do you have to say about Jerry Knott and his uh, very quiet departure? I don't really know why he's left post-media. That's a bit of a mystery, and I'm so out of that loop that no one would tell me. But I can only presume that his retention bonus check finally went through. (laughs) And I guess that retention bonus worked. (laughs) Yeah, like so many of them have in the past. Duly noted. I want to note that uh, former Harper cabinet minister John Baird is now caping for Saudi Arabia, and he was on... Al-Arabiya TV, which is essentially state propaganda TV for Saudi Arabia, uh, arguing that uh, Canada is wrong in this conflict with Saudi Arabia, that we've been poking the eye of the kingdom, Saudi Arabia, for the past three years. And I could certainly understand why Al-Arabiya TV would have him on to say that we're being really mean in calling out Saudi Arabia for its human rights abuses. But I don't know why Global would have him on to say the same thing. Global TV had, had John Baird on who is getting paid by Barrett Gold, who has a huge uh, economic interest in Saudi Arabia. The fact that we're cutting off uh, economic relations with Saudi Arabia has a huge impact for John Baird personally. And so he goes on Global TV and says, you know, Saudi Arabia, they gave us a $13.5 billion arms contract. We didn't say thank you. We poked them in the eye. Uh, Saudi Arabia has been killing its own citizens with Canadian arms. It's slaughtering people in Yemen. It's getting ready to behead a woman, the activist Isra al-Gomgam. It is accusing Canadians of imprisoning poor Jordan Peterson and accusing us of uh, practicing legal bestiality. How rude. So John Baird has chosen to take Saudi Arabia-linked money and to say that we should be nicer to them and say thank you to them. And uh, I just don't know why Global News needs to give him a platform. Fuck John Baird and fuck any quizzling who in any way bows down to this bullying theocratic regime. I'm not, my contempt, I can barely contain it. I mean, conservatives are winning on all fronts this week, aren't they? Firstly, let's let's just get over this idea that there's any kind of legitimate point that Saudi Arabia has. Canada didn't do anything wrong in the least. And the reason why Saudi Arabia is flexing its diplomatic muscle and taking shots of Canada is the same reason why Donald Trump does it on NAFTA. They see us as a sort of a, a weak, marginal, first world country that makes for an inviting target by which they can sort of rally their own domestic audiences. 
That's it. That's all that's happening here. This isn't even about us. We've done nothing wrong. You know, the stuff that's now coming out of Saudi Arabia about Canada is hysterically funny. I mean, I'm pulling up this Toronto Life article, which is details them all. Um, our prisons are death camps. Um, we're suicidal slash genocidal. We're basically ISIS. Canadians can legally rape animals. It's insane. I mean, if you actually want to see um, how lies and propaganda and misinformation spreads in a dystopia, Saudi Arabia is giving us a really elegant example. The fact that the, so many of the Saudi people have bought into this and believe it uh, should terrify you because it just shows you how fundamentally weak the human system is at catching bullshit. Jen, you stole that one from me. Duly noted. Now, there's an obscure blog called Canada Land, and the, its leaders, Jesse Brownie, styles himself a media critic. I want to show you what he wrote about this. So the appetite for crazy, violent lefty stories is indeed huge. It was the hat snatch heard across the nation. Well, that was a crazy, violent lefty. We've seen crazy, violent lefties everywhere. That was an assault. And the police did nothing, and the so-called media critic cheered it. And I see this sort of the harmonization on the hard left. Oh. Jesse Brown and his ex obscure left-wing show called Canada Land. There's an NDP-backed website called Press Progress. Mm -hmm. They're really trying to whip up violence against the Toronto Sun. So there's the delightful Ezra Levant claiming that I have incited violence against journalists from the Toronto Sun. What on earth is he talking about, Jen? Uh, it all begins with what was scheduled as a protest against Islam by a group called WCAI, the World Council Against Islam. And they, for whatever reason, didn't show up. It might have something to do with the fact that counter-protesters, anti-racists, they learned about this and they showed up in droves and WCAI pulled attendance. There was some other group of uh, anti-Islam or fascists or racists. There was a group on that side, but they were vastly outnumbered by the people who were there to protest racism, and it de facto became an anti-racist protest. Sue Ann Levy and her photographer from The Sun, Stan Behal, stood with the few anti-Islam people and interviewed the anti-racist protesters from there. And there were people taking pictures who were with the anti-Islam people. And then there was Stan, who apparently was not wearing any press credentials to identify him as separate. Are you actually going to make the claim that the Antifa people didn't know that he was a media person? I have no idea. I'm just saying what we know about this event. Fuck you. Anybody who looks at the video can clearly see that this guy is holding a professional camera, sitting, standing right next to a, to a, to a, a Sue Ann Levy who's taking notes. Um, they're standing right next to police officers, a line of them for fuck's sakes. They're not, they're not engaging in anti-Muslim rabble rousing. They're interviewing Antifa protesters. That's clearly what's happening. And you're, you know, you're carrying water for this Antifa thug who assaulted a 63-year-old man is unbecoming of a media critic. What are you doing with your life, Jesse? Wow. For somebody who really uh, feels like it's important to stick to the facts and not read inferences into something, you just made a whole bunch of assumptions. I, I, I yeah. Oh, no, no. I, lit I literally described what happened in a video. No, no, you didn't. That's sort of what I was doing. No, no. Stan was standing next to a, a, a he, because he was wearing a prof professional camera. 
uh, everyone's got a professional camera these days. I have no idea what the one person who, by the way, do you know that he's Antifa? Yeah, the protesters started yelling at him and calling Toronto Sun fascists. I'm not falling for it, Jen. People don't even know what happened. You're literally, you're literally defending the Antifa I'm guy. I'm not at guy... all. I'm not at all. And the first thing I said was that it was an assault and he should be charged. You put on, you put on, you put on Twitter that this shouldn't even be a news story. I didn't say that either. You said that. I didn't that. say that either. Oh, do I need to pull up the, the, the quote now here? Let I think you quote. do. Okay. I think let's, you do, let's Jen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's pull up the quote then. We're going to wait while you let's pull up the tweet. Jesse Brown. The idiot who took took it upon himself to rough up Sun News photographer San Bahal over the objections of other protesters should obviously be charged with assault. Good. The idea that the incident is illustrative of any wider threat to press or worthy of national news coverage is absurd. Really? Then why are we talking about this, Jesse Brown? Right. So is this where you want to say, oh, actually, I misquoted you. That's not what you said. Sorry, what did I accuse you of? Wrongly. I apologize. Let's go back. Let's roll the tape. That here. I said that it shouldn't even be a news story. Uh, the idea that this incident is illustrative of any wider threat to the threat worthy of national news coverage. How finally are we going to shave these semantics here? I made a dumb point, but I didn't make the point you're saying I made. Okay. It, it, and, and frankly, it hurts my feelings that you have such, such consideration for poor Maxime Bernier and you won't afford me the same consideration to actually quote me properly. I, I, can I finish telling people what the hell we're yelling at each other about? In the midst of this altercation where, uh... Some people in the crowd said that that uh, it was not possible to tell the Sun's photographer apart from the anti-Islam people who were also taking pictures. Other people seemed to be very aware that these were Sun journalists. Uh, in the midst of all that, one individual, we do not know his affiliations, there's no reason to believe he's a member of any kind of Antifa group, took it upon himself to assault that photographer reprehensibly. He he takes the guy's hat. He It's a bit rougher than that. He doesn't punch or hit him. Uh, it's it's an assault. There's no question that what we see there is an assault. He has since been arrested. So that is what happened. I got involved when Robin Urbach said, this should be national news. Why is no one talking about this? Of course, it had been written about already by a few different people. And she was writing about it in a national news source in CBC Opinion. Her point was that whether it's coming from the Trump right, the president of the United States calling the media the enemy of the people, and then we have somebody going into a newsroom and shooting up that newsroom, whether it's that or whether it's these these thuggish lefties, it's I- equivalent. And, it's, and, and, and this is all the same thing, and it's all the same threat to the press. Her point here was, quote, an assault on a news photographer is not worthy of national news coverage. Pardon? You are a media critic ar- arguing for less coverage of violence toward the press. Where I fucked that one up is that uh, the idea that you're, you're going to do this both sides bullshit and act as if this widespread assault on the press from the right that we're seeing specifically from the Donald Trumps and the Doug Fords is, is part of the same anti-press movement as these like cherry-picked incidents where leftist protesters uh, smash a camera and that that's the same thing is what I took issue with. And if I had been better at my job that day, I would have constrained myself to that. Robin saying, I, I fell for the mugs game of like, where she said, this should be a national news story. And I said, no, it shouldn't. 
I, I don't give a damn. It's a, like there's no mathematical scientific metric of what deserves national news. I have no problem with this being national news. Anyone who watches the video of what happened where this guy got his hat removed roughly can make up their own mind as to whether or not that should be a national news story or not. Uh, but I, I stupidly had the debate on Robin's terms, which was let's talk about what should or shouldn't be a national news story. What I really, the point that I wanted to make was that th- 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 these are not equivalent things. Okay, so that, that, that's a much more interesting and nuanced point, and I think it's probably worth dissecting a little bit, if you don't mind. Because I think that uh, you're right. There is a wider, largely but not exclusively conservative, I would point out. I mean, I think you do see this phenomenon on the left, probably not as advanced on the left, but it is starting to happen on the left as well. Um, there's an element of trying to destroy the credibility of mainstream media, centrist media, whatever you want to call it, because that serves a very specific political function. It generates uh, fundraising revenue for uh, political parties in the short term by playing against the media that's very appropriate, that's very um, lucrative. Uh, but it also serves another longer term, more corrosive effect in that when you undermine media organizations that serve as a kind of act as a sort of element of social cohesion within a society, what you wind up doing is you make individuals increasingly atomized, but you also make them more and more reliant on your explicitly partisan news outlets. We've seen this advance extremely in the United States, where now there's fascinating studies coming out showing that literally conservative and progressive people aren't even reading the same stories anymore. Like they, they don't, you don't even need a study. Trump admits I will, I will. And it's not just about uh, destroying the credibility. Like it, it's like, it is an assault on the idea of objective truth itself. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. And, and this, and this is of course the dictator's playbook. And there's a reason why it's done because when you assault, assault ob- objective truth yourself, you take on the power to create objective truth. So who's doing that? Are both sides doing that? Like, Come on. Well, no, the conser- conservatives are overwhelmingly doing it. The alt-right is overwhelmingly doing it. The Trumpians are overwhelmingly doing, doing it. But to pretend that the same polarization is not happening on the left, to pretend that there isn't also an assault on mainstream media credibility happening to a lesser de- and less advanced degree on the left, oh I, my think is, God, I think it's probably Jen, wrong. come on. Don't you see the danger of what you're doing? I'm not playing both sides-ism. I'm not saying that it's it's both of them are doing it equally. I'm not claiming that. However, we are seeing that the end result of all of this is that uh, the media is losing credibility. People don't trust it anymore. People see it as enemy of the state. And a lot of the rhetoric that was coming out of that Antifa rally paralleled some of the rhetoric that was coming out of those Trump rallies where reporters get attacked. And that, and do I think it's happening to the same extent on the left? No, not at all. I'm not making that claim. I would agree with you that this sort of attacks um, on uh, media or personalities and organizations from, you know, the Antifa protesters are pretty marginal at this point. Oh, but boy, is there, boy, is there an appetite for them? Because if they happen once a year, uh, you know, Robin's story was the number one story on CBC, got thousands of comments. The appetite for uh, both sidesism for le- leftist thuggery is enormous. And, and why is that appetite so large? Why do those incidents get seized upon? No, can we just acknowledge that it's wrong when anybody attacks a, a, a journalist? It's the first like, thing I said. That's, it's the I know. First, so as of long as we're just, why, do, why, why do we have to get into the semantic game of like, oh, but the conservatives do it more, or the left do it more? like? It's, it's a fair point because I want to know what the truth is. I want to know what the what, what the problem here is, and I, and I because because I think uh, that the uh, problem is part of a broader social trend where we're seeing um, the credibility of these institutions are being undermined to such an extent that people by feel who. Good. 
Well, by, by who? By both sides, actually. No. And I'm sorry, but no. it is happening on both sides. It's It may not be happening. The people on the left aren't in power yet. I'm not fighting for the left. I'm fighting for the press. I'm fighting for the fact that there is objective truth. We need to know what we're talking about here. And that's why I will not accept this both sides bullshit, okay? Because it's very, very easy for people. People want to not care about this because it's just stupid. It's like these rallies. Nobody wants to pay attention to the rallies or whether somebody's hack got... And, and if you tell them, hey, the left is just as bad as the right... And uh, I'm not making that then, claim. I'm not making the left is just as bad as the right. On that's this point. fine. But let's been look. A, there's been a very concerted and organized uh, effort on the right to 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 um, make uh, the media a partisan enemy, to turn the media into a partisan enemy because it, they've done it as a as a partisan tactic. Do I think that Antifa is doing that? Do I think that Antifa is doing that? What is it? No, Who is Antifa I, th- I think I don't even? think that this is the, there's or, two or, things. Or whatever. I'm using Jen, it as a shorthand. Here. Please, one moment. There's two things that the right is doing. And they're doing it consistently. One is they're vilifying the media in a way that is beyond discrediting. They're, they're inciting violence towards the media, okay? Uh, and, okay? And then they're also saying, oh, the left does that too. And anytime some idiot with a, with a balaclava on shakes a camera, they act like it's it's equivalent. But if the left is doing it too, <laughs> then that's they're not doing a it too. They're not doing it too, okay? They literally did no, it to Stan Bahal. The, the, they did it on camera in front of you. They did what? So like, they like did you what? Can't, you, can't, you can't pretend that... That, that it's just not happening when it's the left that does it. You don't have to be like both sides are equivalent and both sides are equal and both sides are equally bad in order to point out that, you know, this actually does happen at, at progressive rallies too. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not creating a moral equivalency to be like, you know what? You shouldn't be uh, attacking a 63-year-old fucking sun photographer. You shouldn't be. But Robin's point was these things are are the same. They are both they're the same threat. And if we actually want to fight that threat and push back against people who would discredit us, put us out of a job, paint a bullseye on our chest, I know who those people are. And I won't buy or give any credibility to those who tell me that it's some vague grand social phenomenon that the left is just as guilty of as I know exactly who's painting that bullseye on my chest. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. Jen Gerson, thank you for joining me. You can email me about the show at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. Jen, where can people find you? Oh, please don't. <laughs> you can find Jen on the new season of Oppo uh, after Labor Day. Uh, Oppo will be back. Jen Gerson and Justin Ling. Uh, the full season of Taste Buds, our excellent food podcast, uh, the full first season is now available. Check it out. Subscribe to Taste Buds. It's a delight. An absolute delight. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This episode was produced by Laura Howells. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. 